It's a special episode of Locked On Coyotes to close out the week. We do a network crossover episode, Locked On Coyotes and Sporty with Corey and, Corey and Richie. We are going to talk with them on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Robin Leonia, Carl Pavlik, right beside me on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. I want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your shows. And of course, that does mean you'll never, ever have to pay to access any of our content. we got a great show for you today. we got a lot of things to come up. We're at the two-week warning of the NHL draft, so we're going to do a lot of that conversation, trades, everything like that to help us with this conversation we got Corey and Richie from the Sporty of Corey and Richie show. Guys, welcome to the show. This is a this is a a crossover. I did that. Uh, I didn't think we'd get done, but we're but here we are. So what happens when you have four people to try and mix schedules, right? But thanks for having us. It's uh, I'm 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 glad that we're. I think we're going to be able to talk about some a little bit more positive things here on this particular show, at least as the uh, draft and free agency starts to get a little bit more exciting which is nice. A nice change of pace. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had, there's definitely been a lot of depressing coyote stories this season. Uh, And this is the fun, exciting future times. Absolutely. There is a lot, there's there's a lot to get to. to, Like I said, we're we're within two weeks from the draft and oh my God, like we've been ramping up draft content um, and we've been super excited. How like, how close have you guys been getting ready to come get, getting ready for this draft? Because you know, with Coyotes picking third overall and two additional first round picks, that there's a lot to get to. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot to get prepared for. Richie and I are not the biggest scouting people. We um, usually kind of don't end up getting really hyped for it until it gets about to this time this close because of the fact that as Coyotes fans, we all know that. A lot of things can change. A lot of things can go wrong. You can also not always count on GMs to do what you think they are going to do in these situations. I think it's going to be a lot more predictable this year than it was, uh, you know, in previous years with previous GMs. As we all know, uh, Richie and I freaked out uh, when there are some people that were drafted during... um, during certain seasons, but it, it definitely is going to be a lot more of a, a fun draft year this year. I'm a bit concerned about New Jersey. Uh, no one seems to be able to give me a clear idea of what they're going to do. Like I've heard everything from they're going to trade the pick. Uh, we're doing uh, an SB nation mock draft right now. And they selected Logan Cooley. Like, New Jersey is the biggest wild card. And the fact that they're just before the Coyotes, I'm like, I have no idea to really plan. I need to come up with like five situations for what could happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the good thing about what the Coyotes, where the Coyotes are is from everything I've been reading and, and listening 
too, from draft experts, the Coyotes are sitting in a good spot in that there are the three top players in this draft and then kind of like everybody else. There's the excellent tier of your your uh, Shane Wrights, your Cooleys, and your Uri Slikovskis in your top three. And so the Coyotes are going to get one of those three players if they sit tight at number three overall. And that's a good position to be in, in, in my opinion. So whatever New Jersey does, and I was talking to uh, uh, the host of the New Jersey Devils show on the Hockey Podcast Network, and I asked him the other day, I was like, I think he's always been on the train of he wants the Devils to trade out of that pick. But he said if they stayed, then he would take uh, Slikovsky at, at second overall, which would leave the Coyotes more than likely to take Logan Cooley, which I think um, kind of getting ahead of the train here. But um, at least from my opinion, I'm, I'm all in on Logan Cooley from here on out. I think I kind of have been ever since the draft lottery. Yeah, I haven't also seen too like an up like updated rankings and like that as we get within to this point of the um before the draft. And some people even have uh Logan Cooley, like I think uh the Athletic and then and Chris Peters and a few other have Logan Cooley at the number one potential pick. Like there's like so like no like so Shane Wright is no longer the consensus number one. Logan Cooley has actually like inserted himself into a couple of the rankings there and that kind of scares me a little bit it's like okay now there's going to be a lot more people putting their eyes towards that i mean i think either way how this goes down it's not going to be anything bad for the coyotes like like i was saying in the situation where you had chica you weren't sure what his little ability to use his stats would really pull out whenever um (laughs) I was kind of alluding to it earlier, but what I was talking about earlier is when when he picked Barrett Hayden, uh, I think Richie and I may have had our heads explode at those exact moments because of the fact that why he made that choice in in using his stats was was very confusing to us at the time. But at the same time, he none of his choices, as we could tell going forward, really made any sense. In this situation, no matter what, the Coyotes are going to benefit from it. And I have a lot more faith in Armstrong in the fact that no matter where he ends up, he's going to end up being able to either choose from a good uh, batch of players or is going to be able to trade it for something that he thinks is worthwhile. I really hope that's not the case just because of the fact that if they're really trying to build this team, they're trying to turn it into, um, you know, like a Colorado 2.0 or a uh, Blues 2.0, hopefully better than how the Blues ended up panning out. Um, I'm really kind of hoping more on the Colorado side, to be honest with you. But if they're going to be doing that, then they need to have these superstars that they're really going to build off of. And so this could be the first chance to be able to get one of them starting out and then being able to build off of it from here on out, especially with so many uh, second round picks they can use those for more trading options and they have a lot more to waste. So I would really prefer them to be able to choose one of these top players and then just be able to kind of coast on something and make us not have to really have an anxiety attack about something for the first time in our entire fandom. That would be nice to to go through a draft and and just be happy with the results. Uh, I can't remember the last time that's happened. Um, Ah, the Gunther draft. Like last year was pretty good. I think that kind of established a good precedent. Um, one thing I've been kind of thinking about is the latter two first round picks and maybe trading up like from one of those, throwing in a second 
if there's someone like really good, like 10, 15, what are your guys' impression about something like that? I, the only, only way I would trade more picks like that is to go get an established player already. I don't think I would trade away assets like that to just trade up and get another unproven player when and Corey and I have talked about this before. And I always say the same thing, which is when we were going up through the draft lottery process, I'm okay not getting the number one overall pick, not only because we talked about the talent of those top three players, but because of the fact that they have all those draft picks, they have seven of them in the first two rounds. Right? So if you think about like a hit rate and you hit on 30% of those guys and you hit on two of those seven players, like, that's huge for a lineup of only, you know, how uh, 18 skaters. Like if you can get two starters out of in one draft like that, that's huge, especially if one becomes a superstar. So I'd rather take all those seven picks and, and actually use them unless they go get a proven player elsewhere. Who's already a proven NHL caliber player. And so, and, and, and from what we've seen, we've seen from, from Bill Armstrong, I think he, is very tactical about what he's doing. Unlike what Corey was mentioning with John Chico, where I felt like he was too got ahead of himself way, way too often. Case in point, Phil Kessel trade, uh, Taylor Hall trade, two cases and points where he got ahead of himself. He didn't really have a plan going forward where Bill Armstrong has a plan. He wants to execute it. He's going to use all seven of these picks and he's going to use those assets to get this team better. I just think giving up some of those assets to try and get another unproven player just isn't, the right move to make in a draft this year where yes, the talent pool is nice, but um, again, from what I've read, it's once you get past those top three guys, it's, it's kind of uh, an, an even playing field from, from then on out pretty much. Yeah. That's been the biggest court, the, the biggest amount of conversation. The reason why I like trading up is the, is the most difficult conversation to have. Cause like, is it even worth it after, cause after that top three, top five, because you know, six through, you know, 30, 35 could really be interchangeable like uh, we, we've had we had a mock we had a mock draft on the locked on on the locked on nhl network where uh both connor geeky and matthew savoy pretty like top 10 prospects fell out of the top 16 like and and and, and that's gonna happen and that's gonna happen it's like mm-hmm. okay like no big deal though because like again there's what we said is it's, it, there's so much white white in there but I'm with what you. What, I, I like what you said though. The di- the difference between Armstrong and Jake, because it's it, it was night and day. Like just even this la- last year's draft, his first official draft as GM, you could just see the kind of mindset that he had. It was so different. You're like, okay, this is a little bit of a breath of fresh air here, and I think he's going to do the same thing. He even said it himself, I believe, that he wanted to use all seven of the picks in these first two rounds. And part of it too is he wouldn't really want to be trying to do anything that has to be adding any real veteran players, I think, too, into this because you have to remember this team isn't going to be good for another like four years. So you have you want to be based trying to get those more veteran players later as well. So if he can use these picks for whatever players he thinks will be able to fill in this roster going forward for a very long period of time um is going to be whatever is in his head and it's whatever is on his scouting team as well which is huge right now because you still have to remember that so many of the canadian leagues really didn't play full seasons because of covid they came back a lot later than the american ones did um i've never seen the the ohl really that far down on lists of the best uh leagues because of the fact that they really didn't get those players because they didn't think they were going to be able to be seen. But luckily Armstrong 
spent a lot of time on trying to find people who are really good scouts for him, who would be able to find these players, even though the availability to see them and to really scout them is still not always the best. Absolutely. We're talking with Corey and Richie on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Uh, we, we're talking drafts. We're talking trades. We're going to do a lot on today's episode. We got more to get to. And before we get into any more, though, I'm going to turn to Carl for a quick word from our sponsor. So Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports development and league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Are you following the Stanley Cup final? Do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to come back? You can head over to BetOnline, and they are going to have all the information you need to make proper wagers. Uh, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, guys. So I have another question, like another question to kind of pose, kind of to kind of stem from the, uh, the talk about this upcoming draft. And we were ha- we actually were uh, guesting on a on another podcast before we started recording this one. You were, you know, talking with, with the L.A. Kings Hockey Royalty podcast. And, um, and they asked us the question, you know, is it more worth going, you know, trading up in the first round of this year's draft, which we've already discussed, or do you get one for next year where it's going to be a lot deeper? That, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's looking ahead quite a bit. I know we know that the Connor Bedard is the prize for next year's draft. And then outside of that, I'm, I'm not too privy to how deep next year's class is. Um, and I think you guys are probably right that it's, it's, pr- it's pretty, pretty well expected to be a lot better depth of talent there. So if I had a choice between training up in this year's draft and training up in next year's draft, probably next year's draft for sure. But like I said before, I value, uh, I, I grant I'm wearing um, my Super Bowl champion Rams hat right here. Um, they haven't made a first round pick since 2016, and they seem to be doing just fine because they were smart enough in their allocation of talent um, outside of the draft to make it work. And so there's a part of me that kind of wants the Coyotes to do the same thing as well, which is like be smart with their draft picks. They don't need to value them as as heavily as people think they do. Um, at least moving forward, obviously with the seven picks this year, I think you're, you're thinking of a different scenario, but moving forward, I think that's something to keep in mind is that maybe we shouldn't value our first round picks as highly as we, as we've thought in the past, because for the most part, they're, they're crap shoots, right? I mean, you, unless it's a Connor McDavid or, or, um, you know, somebody like that, like we don't really know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're right. Connor Garland, right. He was a late round draft pick and he's, kicking kicking ass in, in Vancouver, right? And I saw I saw his name popping up on the trade block block recently too. Throwing it out there. Go get him back. Do it. Do it, Bill Armstrong. Bring Car- Connor Garland back. Uh it, it has been fun to watch Vancouver just completely stumble after like you know shipping out the pick that was Dylan Gunther for OEL and, and Connor Garland. And now it's already like yeah we're gonna get rid of Garland probably. Just uh, I love watching a team stumble like that. He was probably the one that we missed the most too. I mean, we, there was everyone had someone that they 
thought they missed the most, but truly everyone missed Connor Garland the most because the energy that he brought on the ice to that team was basically what held them together through that entire season. When someone who is like Connor Garland is the one that's showing the most fight and the most grit out there on the ice, that definitely speaks volumes because of the fact that there's no reason why he should have been the one doing that. So the fact that he was and holding that team together uh, said a lot to me as, you know, just someone who really appreciates the fact that, I mean, the first thing uh, Anderson said when he came in was a really horrible um, corny analogy, but he kept on saying how that the team needed to be like cacti and that they needed to be prickly. Um, And that was basically (laughs) what Connor Garland stood for on that team. And, you know, there's a lot of times when you'd see Clayton Keller attempt to try and be that way. But uh, again, the man tries very hard to be bigger than he is, but he just simply isn't that kind of player. Um, So the fact that they traded someone who really exemplified that to me was kind of a big deal. Um, And they ended up just finding ones that are uh, a little bit more on the, the gritty side and not the best way um, afterwards to try and take that place. And uh, I just don't think that they ever really got that exact same spirit of the prickliness. Um, after all of that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carl, do you want to bring bring up the uh, the full proposal though that we got though from Hockey Royalty? Because because like they they brought they they offered a lot, and it's like their farm it's like the farm and a half that they're willing to offer. Carl has the full details from 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 the trade that they offered on the podcast, but sure. Uh, so it was Alex Turcotte, Um Martin Kramiak, uh, Tobias Bjornfoot, and the 2023 first-round pick for Jacob Schickman. I like Alex Turcotte has has me has my has my eyebrow raised for sure. Yeah, he's like I, he's their like, top prospect, isn't he? Or at least one of them. He's one of them. He's like a he, top three prospect. Uh, I didn't even think to ask because I didn't think he was on the table, but they said that within the past year, like, you know, struggled with some injuries and the team needs defense more than they need him. Yeah. So if that, if that's the case, I'm going to look him up right here. Just, just real quick to see what his numbers were here most recently. But yeah, if you can go get yourself Alex Turka, he was drafted fifth overall just back in 2019. He plays center obviously a need for the Coyotes. He's an American guy as well. And you go and get that first round pick too. Like that's a big deal. And let's see this past season, uh, played eight games with the Kings did not score a point in the AHL. He had 18 points in 27 games. So again, we know, we kind of know how it takes a bit for some of these prospects to develop. And I think what we've seen from, Bill Armstrong is that he's going to let these guys mature. Um, and whether it be that be at the AHL level at the NCAA level or in juniors as well. And I think you bring Alex Turcotte in like that has me peaked. Like if that's what the Kings offered, I'd be okay with that. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty, pretty fair trade. I don't know much about the other prospect in that deal, but when you say when you're giving up a, a legit top, prospect top former top five overall pick a center a position in need i'm okay doing that absolutely 
Uh, Kermiak uh, played last year uh, in the OHL in 60 games, 44 goals, 42 assists. A uh, year prior, he was playing in the men's league in Slovakia. Uh, also played two games with the Ontario Reign, uh, but another just high offense player. Uh, and, you know, I, I could not believe that they were willing to throw out two, what I would think, top five prospects for them in this deal because, you know, we're, we get so many proposals for Jacob Chikrin, and most of them are just like beyond consideration. Uh, I think, what was it? The, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, side uh, wanted us to take a cap back. And it was like, nope, that's not how this one's going to work. Uh, not only that, but, they wanted us to t- they want the Toronto Maple Leafs show wanted us to take um, uh, Peter Morazic's contract. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, no, it's going to be money in, money out. So Peter Morazic's contract <laughs> makes sense. And I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's uh that's toronto for you they're just like no we need this deal to work for us uh it doesn't matter what you need we need to come out the winners yeah another, another <laughs> name too, another name too that came that came up with the uh king's uh, potential king's deal was for a defenseman in brock faber um and defenseman of course another need that the coyotes need and it's, so it's like you know the fact that they're willing to give out like they just threw out almost Every single one of their top 10 prospects, it's like, oh, we could do this person. We could do this person. And it's like, you guys really want Jacob Chikrin, don't you? <laughs> Corey, what do you think about that that trade? It's for me, like, I, obviously, I would probably take it. But in the fact that it's so funny to me, there's a few different things of this. I was literally just saying you're listening to you guys because there's a few different things that's funny. One, the, the Kings, where they are dangerous and where they are now and why I was kind of, I, Richie can attest to the fact that I went on a, a complaining spree every single time it was brought up that we were moving to the central. But um, the one reason why I was kind of okay with it is because of the, the amount of prospects that were moving up in the Pacific division, because of the fact that the Kings in particular have a lot of really great prospects and that's what they have for their future. So the fact that they're kind of just wanting to toss a lot of those out there, it's just kind of like, you really don't care much about your future, do you? Um, But then when it comes to Jacob Chikrin, he has so much value when it, when it comes to being here because of the fact that you have to remember there is going to be, you know, some hype over the fact that it, they're going to be playing in such a small uh, stadium and that they're going to be able to actually be able to you're going to be able to see all of your favorite players really up close but they still need to have someone that you can really grasp onto as a fan and Jacob Chikrin has always been that for quite a while now um, it's been one of his uh, he's very friendly he's he's relatively good looking you know all of these things that really are marketable uh, outside of him being a good player so it's hard for me and to see him go if he does end up going at any point because of the fact that this team does need a marketable side of it um, as you've been able to, you know, like us, have to deal with all of the trolls online. You need to be selling every single ticket that you can sell in, in ASU's arena. It's just how it is. Yeah, if they don't sell every ticket at the arena... 
someone's going to get fired. Uh, probably a few people are going to be fired. Uh, I, I did a uh, group ticket sales for a while. Uh, I, I talked to some ticket sales people um, at Gila River Arena. And yeah, there, there's someone's job to make sure that that is sold out. And it should be pretty, you know, pretty doable. If they don't, people are going to like go. But I agree. Like, I don't see a need to really trade Chikrin. It's always seemed like people like more like from the outside or like the, the national media is like really pushing this narrative that Chikrin's on the block. And I'm, I'm never really sure like how much it is. Uh, I do think that if he sticks around, Bill Armstrong needs to like talk with him and be like, hey, we want you to be here long term because it seems like he's getting mixed signals, if anything, right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was – Corey and I, time after time, anytime anybody would bring this up on our show during the season, we would always say, you're crazy. They're not trading Jacob Chikrin. And then I changed my tune once Jacob Chikrin spoke on his exit day. And from what he said, and you read, read between the lines, it sounded like somebody who was frustrated by his name getting floated in rumors so often. And I don't know where those rumors start, if they came from the team, et cetera, et cetera. If there was other teams just floating it out there to try and dangle the carrot, to try and get the Cowboys to trade him, who knows? But I believe once those rumors came into public view, I, I, I think he clearly was upset by that. And you could tell that from what he said after on exit day. I don't have the exact quote in, in front of me, but you could tell as somebody who had – more than likely played his last game here in here in Arizona. Not only because of the the trade rumors, but also because of the direction of the team and him having to go through a rebuild. And it's, I I believe he did say he he wants to play for a winner, and I don't disagree with him there. Right, he's in his mid twenties and 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 wants to go during the prime of his career now. And does he want to waste three four years in in the middle of his career playing on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. I don't think any really a lot of players want to do that. So it's unfortunate, but I, yeah, I think it's, we're getting to the point where it's a, it's a player who clearly just doesn't really want to be here long-term and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And one of the other things too, that I was looking at in terms of that potential for a trade um, that, you know, if the Coyotes want to do it and if, you know, if Jacob Chicken really wants to, you know, you know, wants to be like, okay, let's get, let's get me out of here. You know, for the, for the Coyotes to have more leverage, they do it now because then the no trade clause comes, comes in and then all of a sudden, you know, the list is a lot shorter because in this case, it's, there's a lot more free range with them right now. Well, the other thing that's always kind of interesting in all of this is you have to remember that a lot of it still, as much as the NHL is trying to change a lot of its narrative and its dynamic, a lot of it's still an old boys club. So you don't know how much of things are being said and voiced around as just being able to see what they could get from him and what it would look like in that landscape. And, uh, you know, if putting him out there could be able with a way to leverage as something else. But so you always have to remember there is a lot of times a game being played and it's a lot of times at the risk of the player themselves because of the fact that, yeah, it's making him look good and it's making him beneficial right now. And it can be great for the team 
in in the long term if they were able to get something really great for him but it it's also just kind of a, a bad business part on the part of you know trying to keep your players here when all we're hearing is the fact that people aren't going to want to come to Arizona because you guys are playing in you know a very small arena so it's a also an interesting look on the team that way as well so it's it's very complicated I feel like more than people actually give it credit for yeah and it's definitely like I think one of the stories I heard was Czech was really upset when Dvorak was traded like and that also needs to be a concern like what is the Coyotes blue line going to be? Who is actually going to be leading it next year? If not Jacob Trickern, uh, Shane Gossespierre, I, I think, uh, Connor Timmons. And then where are they going to have just a bunch of AHL guys again? Are they going to be acquiring veterans? I, I really don't know kind of what the team looks like without Jacob Chikrin because I don't know what the team's going to look like next year. Like Bill Armstrong has so much work he needs to do, like getting rid of a player. Like I feel like unless he really needs to, then he probably just shouldn't. Absolutely. Let's, 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 let's shift a little bit of focus. Um, Cause like one of the things I do want to bring up to you before we uh, run out of time for this show is uh, we're now a few weeks removed from, from that city council meeting. Coyote is moving to get, get to the next potential stage and in, in trying to get the actual development with you know the big ticket to get built um like 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 how has that been going because i know like richie i was talking with like kind of like it was like i think what um on social media it was like me you and i think i was i was also back and forth with leah merrill on on phnx about about how long the meeting was going and having the long night that we had <laughs> I watched all eight hours of it. And I, I think Robin, you were locked in for pretty much the entire time as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was, um, we had the, the Coyotes presentation was amazing. It was damn near perfect. Um, their, their lawyer, Nick Wood was incredible. Like I think we should build a statue for him uh, outside of the new arena, in my opinion, because of, and especially like how he went, after like a little bit later on went after sky harbor and was like you losers we have receipts of what you're trying to do here i know you're trying to build that extra space on the runway and you're not gonna get it and he got like fired up about it i was like yes go nick go and uh so it was a great presentation and uh i'm glad sky harbor got got a butt whooping from nick wood there uh and from uh, granted uh, we all know that there are going to be a couple new members of the Tempe City Council. They're going to be uh, sworn in within the next few weeks, I believe, in July. Um, but yeah, anytime you get a five to two vote on anything like that, like that's that's a pretty big deal. We know that most of the Glendale votes were not that lopsided. They're usually the Glendale votes were like four three, and we always had the one swing vote that was like, oh crap, it could go either way. The mayor and the vice mayor both sound like they're really optimistic about it. Um, both of them did a, a Q and a with Craig Morgan um, the other day. That was really interesting. And uh, so it's very positive. As far as I'm concerned, this thing looks like it's going to move ahead and it looks like it's, I'm, I'm pretty positive. That's it's going to get passed because they came with the idea that there's not going to be any taxpayer liability. And anytime you hear that as a city council, your ears perk up and you go, this isn't going to cost us anything. This is great. And we get 
12, you get 15,000 people there on a regular basis, you know, two or three nights a week. Huge, absolutely huge. So granted, it's probably not going to, it's probably going to be, it took nine months to go from when the Coyotes first issued um, their uh, proposal um, last year from, I believe it was back in September until June. So it's, it was a nine month process just to get to the vote, to get to the negotiation process. So I can't even imagine how long the negotiation process is going to take now. Um, so I, I don't know. I, the, from, uh, I believe what the, from what the mayor and vice mayor both told Craig is that they want to get it done before the end of the year. So that's kind of our timeline at the moment. They want to get it done, you know, in that December range. And so hopefully that's the case. Corey, do you have anything to add? Yeah, it was it, it was a very interesting uh, start to finish. Like Richie had said, and, and it's really funny, I really enjoy being on uh, the world that is uh, the Arizona Coyotes Twitter during all these situations. Because, I mean, you, you know, you go from everything between, like, what was it, Richie? There was diapers that were talked about at one point. <laughs> yes, yes. To... Um, you know, people consider thinking about noise complaints, a lady wearing a, a whole thing on her chest that just says no on it. Like the, the weirdest things come out whenever they have these city council meetings. And if you remember the Glendale ones, you definitely remember the weirdness that's ever come out in them. The one thing that was really cool and different about this one, though, I felt was really the fact that you actually had Arizona Coyote show up there and be able to speak. They didn't really say much. Like Clayton Keller just kind of gave his short little spiel. And then, you know, and then everyone else just kind of looked with like deer in headlights. But it was, uh, it was nice to at least see them there. And it was also really nice because you had so many things that were being offered to Tempe that Glendale never was offered. So, you know, they're, they're offering them a draft. They're offering them an all-star. They're, telling them that there'd be a no move clause for 30 years. They're also telling uh, Tempe that they would be helping them with random, even the guy that was like for a beautiful Tempe or whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of different government uh, things that I didn't even know existed. Um, But the guy that runs the beautification of Tempe was talking about trees all the way down to the trees that they'd be planting and things that they would be cleaning up. I mean, you'd think them cleaning up a, a literal heap of trash would be enough. But the fact that they're, you know, going to be making their tickets available for the light rail and they're going to be doing something with also like a like a car or shuttle service to try and help with perking and the traffic and all of that. Because, I mean, uh, you know, Richie and I remember very vividly trying to get to ASU football games and sitting in traffic for 10 years. So we definitely know the pain of it, but they're trying to fix all of that and do all these things and help with affordable housing. There's no way that it looks bad on them. Even when they would bring up their issues about, like, what about Mill? What about Mill? Richie and I were saying in our podcast, we think Mill will benefit probably the most Mm -hmm. from this because of the fact that everyone in Arizona, we all think, oh, well, Mill's a place for college students. Well, people from outside of here, they think, oh, this Mill place, it's really cool. I've always heard about it. And then they go and they they party there. I went to an all-time low concert and they were bragging about how they went to Mill before they went uh, before the concert that night. And it was baffling to me 
And I was thinking, this is a massive money grab for a place like Mill, who's been dropping bars like crazy since COVID, and even a little bit before that. So I don't understand why anyone would really be against this, other than the fact of you definitely are going to be against it if you're Phoenix or if you're Sky Harbor, because it's going to affect both of them in a negative way. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can't think the last time I went to Mill other than to pregame before a concert. And my favorite bar on Mill, Rulabula, is closed down uh, during COVID. So I have no real reason to ever go to Mill again. Uh, but, you know, maybe something in the, in the new entertainment district can be my spot. I'll say I've only been to Mill once, and that was about now two week, about almost two weeks ago because I went up there because I'm, I'm planning to move to Phoenix from the Tucson area. I moved to Tucson. Yeah, moving up to there from Tucson in uh, about a couple months from now. So I started scouting out the area and being like, all right, what can I do? I was <laughs> tired. I was like, all right, I'm going to go stop at Mill for lunch or whatever. And yeah, I mean, like, and I, it was a really, really easy location. Like I went from, like I did it, drove by the uh, the Coyotes potential building spot. I'm like, wow, it is really close. Like, I don't see, like, why would it be a negative thing? Because like, you could walk there. Oh, 100%. You could completely walk there. When people are complaining about traffic, I'm like, Wait, people can go and get drunk and then just walk over to the stadium. Like, how does that, or the arena, how does that make any sense that you would be complaining about that when the, the, I'm not kidding you. When I tell you that I got really drunk on Mill one night and I really wanted Taco Bell. So I went all the way through ASU campus to the other end to get Taco Bell. If you are drunk, you will walk whatever the distance is needed. And that one isn't even a far walk. Yeah, I and, I and I love the like the walking, like everyone walking together, like parading towards the arena too. That's a cool experience. I got a chance to do that once or twice um, during the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs when the San Jose Sharks were in it. And I went and I went there was a couple. I went there a couple times because again, that's where I grew up, and like that's a cool experience. You know, everyone walking from like downtown or like a bar district to the arena like that's a fun experience and if you can get that kind of a kind of atmosphere going like a lot of people walking from mill and parading over to you know that real slotto spot like that's just perfect yeah i did um junior year at asu i lived basically where the arena is going to be uh which now looking back i'm like wow i lived by a garbage dump that's fun uh, but yeah we used to walk to mill all the time and more importantly, we were able to walk home from Mill because it's easy to go walking to the bar. It's hard to stumble back home from the bar. Uh, and <laughs> it is definitely within stumbling distance. Uh, I'm in Phoenix right now, so I'm just excited about the light rail. Uh, I want to just never have to drive to a hockey game again. I want to get on a train, uh, have a beer, and then get on a train back. Don't have to worry about cops or anything. And your ticket will work for it. Yes, uh, it'll, it'll be so, uh, the, that's my favorite part, just being close to the light rail, not having to drive, because uh, that's definitely a thing, like driving to Glendale was always horrible, everyone hated it, like there was always construction at some place, uh, even if, you know, you're taking surface streets, it still sucks to drive to Westgate. I worked for the team and I had to go from my day job to my night job there. And it took me two and a half hours to get there from Scottsdale, two and a half hours from Scottsdale because of rush hour traffic. Yeah. 
That's as long as it takes me to get to get there from Tucson. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, though, we are well, running out of time. Uh, Do you have anything else? Last thing, add that, Carl. No, no, it's good. I was going to go out on a tangent about traffic, but everyone who's listening knows about rush hour traffic at Phoenix. Yeah, that's fair. But we are running out of time. We really appreciate you guys for coming on. We do just like to spend the last couple of minutes to uh, leave an open floor for you guys to kind of let you know, let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can listen to you guys, because you guys also have an all, have your podcast and just anything else you'd like to share. Uh, you can go ahead and follow us on the Twitter machine at Corey underscore Richie show. Uh, you can follow uh, me at R Flores uh, 91 on Twitter. Uh, I was tweeting about, uh, I went back on YouTube and I found clips of former Phoenix Suns first round draft picks. And I tweeted those out earlier on, on Thursday night when we were recording this great time machine. If you want to do that, you can, you can go take a look at the fact that the uh, Phoenix Suns once took a guy named Dragon Bender, who is no longer in the NBA, fourth overall back in 2016 or something like that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, thanks for having us on. I'll let Corey give her spiel in a second. Uh, I'm going to go listen to Taylor Swift's new single, which just dropped while we were recording. So thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Corey Nicole Two E's, and you know you can always listen to Richie and I on Sport with Corey and richie on basically anywhere you listen to podcasts um we used to do all sports which is why it was uh sporty and then we got picked up by a hockey podcast network and it was our favorite sport anyway so we just focused on uh the coyotes after that i always feel like i need to explain it just because it seems a little weird off the bat that we did do something more coyotes related but um yeah so if anyone liked us and wants to give us a listen but uh thank you guys so much for having us on here because it's been absolutely a ball it's nice to be able to go on a podcast that actually isn't someone who's against the coyotes but is actually also covering the coyotes feels very weird and uh awfully like uncomforting and comforting at the same time because i'm just not used to it but it's really nice for a change absolutely we really appreciate you guys coming on we actually had an absolute blast as well but that's it for today's episode of locked on coyotes if you like what you heard don't forget to leave a review like comment subscribe if you have yet to already we're available everywhere you get your shows including on youtube don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockdownCoyotes, on Instagram at LockdownCoyotes, and on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Lanyo. That's Robin with a Y underscore L-E-A-N-L. Carl Pavlock. It's Carl Pavlock F-F-H. Interact with us, ask a question you might have, you might answer right back. We're on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Corey and Richie for joining us. Hope you get to stay safe out there. Hope you get to stay healthy and cool. It's really hot out here in the Arizona time. Don't forget to howl on. Ah!